Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. Stay woke. Bruh. New York strips thick. This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs. With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writers. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show, Basket Buds Edition. It's Monday, that means the weekend's over, and we are talking to you. I'm Zach Harper, joined by Javon Edwards. We got Jay King, we got Dave DeFour, we have Jade Hoy pushing buttons, making us sound good. And special guest today of the Brooklyn Nets, Spencer Dinwiddie joins us. Spencer, thanks for joining us today on the Athletic NBA Show. What has been your favorite beef in the bubble so far? Favorite beef? Yeah, like, wait, was it Paul George, Damian Lillard? Is it Marcus Morris against anybody? No, 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 because Mook will win any fight. So it's not that because that's one side. I would say Paul George versus Seth Curry, maybe. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, that's okay. A good, okay, that's the best answer possible. <laughs> oh, man. We're gonna dive into that right away. Um, oh, you said, all right, you said, <laughs> yeah, you, said yeah. you said Marcus was gonna win any fight, which I don't disagree with, but. You know, some people will say a lot of NBA guys are posturing when they, you know, kind of the whole hold me back thing. And at least when yeah. he when he karate chopped Luca today, I will say this. He might just be a good actor, but Luca at least for a minute looked like he he wanted Stop to it. or he wanted to make it sound like, it. look like he wanted to. This is not, yeah, this is not the case. Good. That, that's, that's ultimate posturing. Okay. I feel like this. I'm, I'm taking I'm taking Mook in the in the elite of the league in terms of uh, that skill set. I mean, obviously, we know number one is James Johnson. Right. Uh, bar none. Just, just from a, like, he actually has, like, real live, like, real certified hands. Black belt. Black people, belt. Yeah, exactly. Like, other people got, like, you know, I, I fought in the park hands, which is, you know what I'm saying? It's all fine and good, but, like, real certified hands are a completely different thing. Luca, on the other hand, I'm, nah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not believing that. The only one who ever throws, though, is Serge Ibaka. Yeah, but he never he never connects. Yeah, he right? never connects. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. Like for all day, yes. he's not gonna connect. I was told in between the lines that's the best time to act tough because guys don't want to pay their fine. Exactly. Well, nobody's fighting. Yeah, like think about it like this. Like let's say you lose a quarter million dollars for a fight or something. You get suspended a game, and then plus like whatever else it is that you lose, and you connect on maybe let's say three punches. You're looking at what is that seventy five thousand a punch? You tell me if that's worth it to you. There you go. You really have to connect on those punches, too. Yeah. It can't just be a glancing blow. <laughs> you better get like your money's really, worth. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so what, you know, I know that you're obviously very close to these guys and you you know what's going on in the bubble. What have been your thoughts on just the way it's executed, like the vibe of it all, like how guys are handling it? Have you been impressed with what the league has done? Has it been what you thought it would be? I don't know if I had any, like, outstanding thoughts on, on the bubble in terms of the actual environment just because, like, it's so new. Like there, there really is no precedent for this. So, you know, I would say this worked out as, as good as it possibly could have. I mean, I, I want to say, you know, shout out to the NBA, Adam Silver, everybody for trying to make it definitely the, the best situation possible. I mean, you know, it, it, it's like grasping at straws. Like there, there just is no precedent. So I, I don't know what I expected, but I think it's turned out 
turned out well and, and basketball has been played and obviously fans have enjoyed it. Are you having a case of fear of missing out, you know, watching guys just kind of go off and it looks like it's more of a shooter's gym and, and, you know, you're, you're, you're capable of getting a bucket. Do you, do you feel sometimes watching these games, like what you could have possibly done if you would have went to the bubble? For sure. For sure. I mean, from a competitive aspect, you know, you, you miss hooping, miss competing from a, uh, just like, not being there with your team aspect and, and, and missing the guys and missing the camaraderie, you miss that aspect. And then looking at obviously the the crazy offensive numbers and and, and being a guy who, like you said, uh, at least fancies himself as somebody who can get a bucket. Um, I definitely think I would have had you know some nice scoring outputs at some point in time. So you know that would have been fun as well. So yeah, missing it for sure. Are are you surprised that it's taken this long for guys to to start talking about some of the the mental parts of this the the isolation and missing your family and stuff I, i'm surprised that they made it this long are you Nah, not really because remember everybody's trying to make it work the best they possibly can i know that probably started to take a toll after the first you know week or two because obviously it was going to be like summer camp for a week or so and then you know like when we were kids you start to miss your parents whether you wanted to admit it or not um i think it's the same type of thing with the bubble format it's just that you know people didn't necessarily want to talk about it because everybody was you know, leaning in and trying to make it the best possible situation they could. So, you know, I think when, when Paul George kind of broke the seal, especially being a superstar, um, you know, it kind of it kind of made it a little bit more in vogue for people to talk about those struggles. I know it's tough because you're not there, but, like, did you – when you see Paul struggling like that in those, you know, the couple – I guess it was a couple weeks at that point, did you think anything was up or did you just think, like, he's just not playing well? Because I, I wonder, like, how many people caught on to maybe – all right, maybe there is something bigger going on with how guys are handling this mentally as they struggle. I don't know PG personally, so I hadn't locked in on his specific struggles, you know, enough to really, you know, understand or, or even put a hypothesis forward that it was about, you know, mental struggles and not just him uh, not playing well at the moment, you know? So that was kind of really just how I took it. He wasn't playing well at the moment. Obviously, Kawhi's their, their number one or their 1A. So, you know, he was carrying them, and as long as he carries them, like, they still got a shot to win. So I was fortunate from a more general fan perspective, but uh, to hear him talk about it, I'm not surprised at all. I'm looking at like, you know, this, the scoring output, you mentioned, you know, the shooters gym and everything and, and getting a bucket. Like, is there anyone, is, is there anyone like, if you give you like just the same backdrop every single time, like we looking at Jamal Murray, like the last two games, 92.0 turnovers. Yeah. You see that happen. Just thinking like, man, I would have tore these guys up. Like this is, <laughs> Uh, of course, because I, I, I approach every game that way. I don't believe nobody can guard me. So I approach every game like, man, they about to, you know, get these buckets. So you put me in a gym where, where I feel like I can't miss. Oh man. Like, <laughs> and Zach, and Zach, he's not lying. This is when he was in the G league, you know, waiting to get called up and telling everybody like, look, I'm nice. I'm telling y'all right now. I'm nice. Y'all just don't know yet. I got to recover. Trey, you know, <laughs> Trey, you know, I have the same mentality. Like, I don't think anyone can guard me. I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm, I understand what Spencer, like Spencer has the actual talent to go with it, but I don't think anyone right. can guard me at any time. Nah, nah. He, he knows, he knows though for real because BJ was one of my vets, man. And I used to have conversations with him all the time. And I tell him like, bro, like, I, I really do this. And, you know, they always laugh because, you know, you're a second round rookie or whatever. And, and I, I had that same type of mentality then. So, you know, being able to kind of come on and, and, and play a little bit more later in my career has been a lot of fun for me. Have you been surprised by any team in particular in the bubble, like with as far as performance goes? I mean, some of these teams, they look like totally different squads than February. When you 
start talking about like uh, getting healthy. I think some teams are getting healthy. Um, some camaraderie just from being in the bubble. Obviously, we talked about the shooting numbers. I think scoring's up like nine more points per game on average per team. Um, depth perception, obviously, that has to be a big factor because, you know, one of the underrated aspects of an NBA gym is, you know, when you look through the, the basket, it, you kind of still see everything. It kind of goes off into that expanse. And it's almost more like a high school gym where there's that, like, hard-defined back, backdrop to where you can, like, really just lock in on the basket. And so everybody's shooting you know, phenomenally. I know, like, there are records being set every game where, you know, Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell both have 50, or Joe Harris has, like, a 60-50-90 uh, stretch of basketball and, you know, all types of stuff like that. So, you know, and, and then with that being said, I would say the team that surprised me the most, uh, shoot, I'm trying to think. Phoenix? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, sorry, I was going with the playoffs. But in terms of the bubble itself, yeah, Phoenix. Going 8-0? Yeah, we're not, yeah. yeah, we're never talking Phoenix when it comes to the playoffs. So that's, <laughs> 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 that's rude. So, so, yeah, no, Phoenix for sure. Yeah. Like you I, would, I, would, I would honestly say Dallas. And and when I say with Dallas, obviously they have young talent with Luka and KP and, and you know, supporting cast, Seth Curry and, and other guys, THJ. Um, Trey Burke's emergence, you know what I mean? Playing very well in the bubble. Um, you look at it and you think, oh, the, the Clippers got this made and they actually, you know, they don't lose KP, you know, and potentially they have other guys. Maybe they have a different outcome in this, but they didn't back down. They could have let, they could have got, you know, swept, but they competed and, you know, Luca actually showed that he belongs in this league and, and also, you know, respectively in the conversation of some of the best players in the league. So, um, overall, how do you feel right now watching a young talent, you know, uh, adjust? Because the bubble was almost like having another season, you know, under your belt, you know, with that such that gap. Um, what what are you seeing right now from those from those one, those second and, and and the first year players? Um, definitely growth. Um, to your point, I think a lot of players have taken another step. It is almost kind of like another season. Uh, I think on the Dallas point, um. They, they were already, like, had the highest offensive rating in history, I believe it was, this past year. So, you know, them playing well and shooting the lights out in the bubble um, and that carryover was, was good to see. Uh, I, I guess the best second-year guy, well, you know, Luca obviously playing well. DeAndre Aiden helping uh, Phoenix go 8-0. Um, you know, Jason Tatum, I know he's not second-year, but, shoot, he, the step he's taking right now, leading the Celtics and in, in, in playing at a phenomenal level. Um, the league's in good hands, man, like, and that, that's always what you want, especially, uh, you know, if they keep pushing the cap higher, I'm, I'm a benefit from it, too. Um, you know, whether, whether whatever contract slot I end up falling in, you know, just just the health of the league in general is always a, is a good thing and, and hopefully continues to go uh, for years to come. Yeah, I always I always wonder, like, if that if that puts more pressure on you, because you do see like. Like, look, there's generational wealth available, right? And you want to focus on winning and, and all that stuff. And I believe in that. But also, like, if you play well and you play well even in just the right year when you get a healthy cap and a lot of teams with cap space, um, like, that can not just change your life. That could change the life of your family forever, right? Like, that's – I got to feel like that's pressure. For sure. There's pressure to it. I mean, obviously, the way your years slot out. But I'm also a big believer that, like, at some point in time, you know – because money is a tool, you're you're only going to have like so many tools in a sense, right? And, and what I mean by that is, right. the person that has a hundred million dollars and the person that has a hundred ten million dollars, like they can't do anything that's different. And they're going to look at the person with a hundred and say, "Oh man, you're broke." Like, 
They got the same amount of money. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, you, you try to play what you try to do your best and all that stuff. But then, you know, wherever you kind of end up slotting out, like the happiness component, the winning component, all those other things that really that are bigger than the absolute maximum dollar. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, I'm not fool enough to think two million versus 200 million. Like, oh, no, like, let's go play for happiness. Like, no, I have a son. I have a family. Like, you know, people I support, et cetera. But if the difference is, you know, 70 or 80 or, you know, something like that or, or you know, 75, 82, so like, nah, just look, be happy, take the money. You're going to be able to do the same type of thing you would with the other. Like, especially if you're looking at states with no state tax and, you know, different laws here and this, that, and the third. And that, you know, at the end of the day, just, just try to enjoy the other aspects, not only about the maximum dollar. One thing you said to me earlier that stood out was that even when you were early in your career, you kind of felt like you were ready for more, deserved a bigger role. Did you ever feel like that kind of hindered the rise of your career where coaches are looking at you like, we kind of want a role player and this guy thinks he could do too much. And then also like, I know you're a really smart guy. Did you ever hear feedback from some like you're too smart anything like that yeah no that was, that was definitely something i heard a lot early in my career and you have to just kind of understand how to tailor your conversation and, and the nuance and and how you kind of like uh present yourself you know when people ask me real questions i would say look like i feel like i'm i'm that guy i feel like i can do a lot of different things in this league it wasn't me saying like hey you know bench the max player like i was never crazy i was never saying anything wild like that yeah. You know, it was it was me answering a question truthfully, but you know how people took the answer, you know, might be in that type of vein of like, you know, bench the max player or something crazy. Um, so you kind of just have to understand your audience and, and who you're speaking to, and just you know, be be honest and be authentic, but also, like I said, just just cater your message. So you know, um, once you kind of learn a little bit better when to speak and and kind of when to omit, uh, it, it definitely helps you in the long run. Um, they're not just being bluntly honest all the time. You said uh, you said money's a tool, and I think we saw that this last week, right? Like we saw the players kind of say enough is enough. Like you, you know, I, it's it's dumb to me that it's on the players to make to make change because I think it should be on you guys to like play basketball <laughs> and entertain us, right? Like that's supposed to be your yeah. job, but it, it it ends up being more than that based on where we are and in society and and so the owners like the governors whatever we're calling them like they like they have real wealth they have real connections to lawmakers and change makers and the bucks decided no we'd rather talk to the attorney general and the lieutenant governor instead of you know beat down the magic this week like that that's what we're going to do on wednesday instead and then everyone else kind of followed suit and almost had to what were your thoughts on on just everything that happened with with the the walkout? Uh, I guess we're calling it, and and how that was used by the players? Because I I think myself included at first, whenever when it seemed like everything was coming back, I was like, ooh, I wish they had sat out longer, right? Like I wish they put more pressure. Yeah. But also, it it sounds like the players are at least getting the start of change that they believe in. I think there's a lot to unpack there, right? Because you know you're you're asking for mid 20 year old men who are typically the same demographic that's disenfranchised by the country to now be the uh moral authority and to be the thought leader and should be driven by the uh hopefully mature and hopefully uh honest politicians and policymakers driven by scientists and experts in the specific fields it's quite the catch-22 to be in right like 
it, I'm, I've spent 27 years on this planet. I mean, all my years have been as a, as a black man, and, and most of them have been not as a famous black man. And I've had different, you know, very common type of run-ins. You know, whose car is this? You know, whatever going on um, with with those and and already figures. So, you know, I feel some of that disenfranchisement. So, and then when we look at money and them, them counting our pockets, right? Because we're a millionaire, and the difference between a million and a billion is really a thousand. Like whatever you think I could do, that billionaire could do more than I can do. And then, and then that's not even talking about just the influence on the inside, right? Like you know what I mean? Like we we should be the uh, the authority for competitiveness or for you know pushing through adversity and things of that nature. It doesn't mean that we also have to be the you know ultimate authority on like who you should vote for for president, right? Like, right. You know, it, it just doesn't. You know, and, and you know, obviously, um, I'm not gonna vote for for Trump. But like, if a basketball player were to come out and say, "Hey, like, quite honestly, I'm Republican." I mean, if that's right for his life, he wants to say that. I mean, like, well, Spence, when you think about it, when you when you think about it, man, it, it's it's only one way in the eyes of the people, the court of the people. You know what I mean? And you think of social media, and you you're not um, able to have an opinion, and especially with you guys um, being, I don't want to say forced, right? Not even forced, but like, especially in our community, black community. We look upon celebrities, athletes, et cetera, to be the voice of reason for these causes because of representation matters. Now, in this particular situation, like you mentioned, which was a very great point about how come you guys can't be looked upon or playing through adversity and et cetera of that nature. But instead, you guys have to be more than that. You have to issue a strike and walk out and then call the attorney general. These are things that professional athletes shouldn't be uh Asked upon for one, and then obviously, yes, some activists do feel that this is a distraction. It also served as some good stuff too to take your mind off some things, you know. But um, I thought it was a a clear balance on it. And then for people to actually be upset for you guys to return play, they don't understand how this works, you know. Everything, you know, you guys are already down from the the, the issue with China, and then now you factor in trying to make that money back with the bubble, right? This isn't your, this isn't your job. You never was trained for this and you never had a particular right answer. I don't think any league could actually give you the right particular answer to say and, and, and put everything at ease. If you guys said, Oh, we're not going to hoop and you guys got to figure it out. People still going to be dying on the streets. Things are still going to be, you know, happening like things in Portland and other places right now. And we're just not going to have sports. So I don't think it's fair in that aspect for us to put that much pressure on it. No, exactly. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I agree. With, you have no argument for me on that one. I mean, I, I think the owners are, are being honest. You know what I mean, I, I think overall, don't be wrong. They're capitalists. They, uh, they want to make money. Um, and then they're going to do what they feel is in their best bet to make money. But in, in large part, my interactions with, uh, various team owners, they haven't been, you know, racist or, or mean from, you know, just like a human being standpoint, right? Like, so I, I think they're going to continue to make change. I think uh, in terms of the people who are going to have kind of uh, the say to really police them, that's going to come down to the union and, and some of the big time guys like LeBron, Chris Paul, those guys. I mean, you know, just like in any other situation, like it's, it's always the main people that have uh, the most say. So, you know, I'm not going to uh, be able to really pull any strings or, or let you know how they're going to be held in check. Uh, switching gears a little bit. What are you looking forward to with with teaming up with KD? Like I, I I mean, 
There's word that, you know, he's maybe been hooping for a little while. I don't I'm not asking you to confirm or deny any of that, but like it just in terms of of how you think he's going to look and what that's like. Like you've played with some pretty good players before, but KD is is historic. Nah, it's, yeah, it's different. It's different. Um, no, nah, I mean, I, I can confirm that he's working out. Um, you know, I've said this before. KD's the greatest scorer of all time. Um, you know, to to be able to do what he does at, at seven foot, uh, really, we've had nobody like that. Really, really in history. You know what I mean? So, shoot. I mean, we we want to win a championship. I mean, I don't. I, <laughs> yeah, this is another one. I don't know any other way to say it. Like yeah. you, you put the greatest scorer of all time on a team with you know uh, another all star. Uh, then obviously, Karis Levert is the third star. And, you know, uh, a couple centers that, you know, are, are top in the league at, you know, catching lives and blocking shots and doing that stuff. I mean, you know, Joe Harris just set a record for shooting in the bubble. Um, you, you you had a type of talent you want to win. All right. You've got a, a game-winning situation, and you're cooking that game, but you do have KD, you do have Kyrie. You're waving them off, right? You're waving them off, just say, get out of the way. Ah, you're funny. You got to do it. You're funny. You got to do it. No, no, no. No, not a chance. I'm not waving them off. But let's say you're um, cooking. Like, you got like 40. Don't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Don't matter. Oh, that's too good nah, of a teammate, matter. Spencer. That's not Here, all. Here's man. how you do it. Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You uh, evolve real slow, and, and you kind of do that 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 head nod. Every every black person knows the head nod. Come <laughs> on, you know I mean, like like I just did it to you right now. There we go. There we go. It's where you make eye contact with KD, and if he gives you the like, <laughs> like go on, young fella. He give you that one, then you know what time it is. Look at you, like hey. Don't even think what you're thinking. <laughs> like, I know what time it is, big dog. Here you go. You 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 know what I'm saying. You throw it to him at the mid post. You go spot up, and you get ready to knock it down if he passes to you. So, you know, it's, it, that's that's how that works. I mean, you don't you don't take the game winning shot at a can. You know, not unless there's just some, some type of crazy, you know, three two one or you lost the ball or you know something wild happened. All right, Spencer Dinwiddie, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, glad that uh, you, you're doing well after uh, you know coronavirus and everything. Glad everything's safe, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you hoop next season. Uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate you for having me. Today's show sponsored by Artifact. Artifact sets you up with one of these professional interviewers to capture stories about important people or things in your life. Think of it like a podcast episode about whatever you want it to be. The funniest story, the scariest story, the craziest story you've ever had. Maybe ways you like to cook. Maybe ways you learn to cook. All that good stuff. Maybe ways that your dog has barked in the background. Anything you want to talk about. Your career journey, your failures, your successes, any of that stuff. They will capture family history with parents and grandparents. They'll talk about friends and family as a birthday, wedding, or anniversary gift, how they've made a difference in your life, and share some hilarious stories. And when you're ready to make an artifact of your own, use the code NBA. Use the code NBA. You're going to get $40 off your first one at heyartifact.com. Use the code NBA for 40 bucks off and create a podcast about whatever you want it to be. We'll now take a quick break to hear about one of The Athletic's newest shows. All right, guys, now that uh, we're done with Spencer Dinwiddie, let's get into round two. We had the Celtics kick the ass of the Raptors. Jay, I'm sure you've got some thoughts on this. Indeed. Indeed. Are the Raptors frauds, Jay? Fraud. (laughs) No, absolutely not. (laughs) What? The Raptors are as unfraudulent as it gets. They their defense is spectacular. It's fun to watch. I do think game one of the series showed a few of the flaws that they have. Like they they missed Kawhi Leonard and they haven't much all season, but he 
pushes everybody else down a role. And when P- Pascal Siakam mm-hmm. is the guy you need to rely on to create shots, sometimes that's just not enough in the half court. The, the Celtics did a really good job of limiting the transition offense. And the Raptors, I mean, they, they won't always shoot that badly. But where they're going to struggle is is getting those buckets in the half court. And that was an issue. And then the other issue they had was they, they give up a lot of corner threes. And the Celtics just really took advantage of that. I'm glad you brought up everyone getting pushed down a roll because that makes Kyle Lowry's injury even worse. Like he, he didn't really look right to me for large parts of this game, which, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by, uh, they haven't got anyone else who can step into the role, uh, that he fills, you know, Fred Van Vliet, he can score for you, but he can't do all those other things that Lowry does. So they've got to figure that out. I don't know. I don't know where they're going to find that guy. Maybe, uh, Terrence Davis is ready to actually contribute. Uh, I'm not sure, but that's, that was a glaring issue for them in, in the game. Yeah, and I thought it was weird how they tried to attack the Celtics in some ways. Like, Pascal Siakam post-ups against Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and Shemi Ojale. Like, I, I just don't understand the the utility of that. Like, why not try to create a mismatch? If you're going to post him up, try to get Kemba in that matchup. Yeah. Try, try to get him on the block. Like, don't just do it against the Celtics' best wing defenders. That, that- it's almost like they were trying to get him in foul trouble. Because the whistles have been coming so easily. And they were coming and easily. I wonder, and that, I mean, that was a yeah. big, big reason the Raptors struggled, too, mm-hmm. was Siakam I picked wonder up if that third. was a part of it. Yeah, that, that might have been. But, but like, that just wasn't efficient. It, it wasn't at all efficient. I think the Raptors can do a, a lot better in the half court. I think they can choose better options. Um, but they, they had a, a weird first game. And every time they made a run after that rough first quarter for them, the, the Celtics just kind of answered. Do we know if Paul Pierce said the series is over? <laughs> if he, Did he say it before the series started? No, listen, I think it's over. I don't know. Well, I mean, last year they, just, you know, they destroyed the Bucks game one. Then he said, "All right, this yeah. is over," and he was right. No, listen, I think it's over. Yeah, that's just that's, wrong team. That's usually a death blow when Paul Pierce. He's, <laughs> it's like the Charles Barkley guarantee, right? He yeah, straight up said he was. He was like the the Celtics are just the more talented team, and I was like. That's an interesting take. I mean, it's not that they don't have talent. It's just that he just said it like it was so obvious. And I I, th- I thought that was really, really funny. And then you watch a play and it's like, all right, Paul Pierce might be onto something. No, listen, I think it's over. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I kind of wonder. Um, I wonder if the Raptors like just come out in game two looking to get Siakam easy buckets, right? Like try to get him like three easy buckets right away in the first few minutes, just to get him going. Otherwise, like I don't know, like, they, I don't know how he they've gets. They've been doing going. that, Zach. They've been doing that. And they, they, the guy's just he's, he's just been bad. They even yeah. left him in with with the scrubs at the end, like yeah. like trying to let him get in his rhythm against all the subs on both teams. That was a weird thing to me. Like just the guys had a bad enough game. Just just take him out when you take out the rest of the starters. Just. A, a, a couple buckets against Romeo Lankford aren't going to propel him to success in game two. I, I, possibly future champion Romeo Lankford. So I don't know. I don't but, I might, but I, you know. But I, I will say this, though. I, I don't want to discount what the Celtics did and, and undersell it on, on their part because it wasn't like the Raptors just rolled over. I mean, the Celtics did this to them. They, they discombobulated them with their defense. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were incredible. Yeah, and and 
I like I, I do think the Celtics there's they were smart about attacking the, the Raptors defense too. The Raptors defense is so fierce and their ball pressure is so good. But Kemba still kind of got what he wanted. And then when they when they helped the Celtics, they've been preaching it since their regular season meetings against the Raptors. Like they're gonna overhelp. We we need to pass the ball a lot better against this team than we do against everybody else. Brad Stevens has been saying that the whole time. And so uh, they're not always a good passing team. They were a good enough passing team and and they moved Marcus Smart to the corners. He he made 21 corner threes all year. He hit 5 of them in game 1. Like they moved him to the corners. They switched him out there because they knew that's where the Raptors were going to send help from. I thought they did a really good job kind of taking adv- advantage of what the Raptors give up in game 1. Um all right, what about Bucks Heat? Well, I guess what what are predictions for the rest of this Celtics Raptors series? I think I still think it's going to be a slugfest. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. a war zone. <laughs> I think that that series is going to be a long competitive series just because there was a somewhat lopsided game 1. Don't don't let that trick you into thinking this is going to be uh, any site type of of rollover from the Raptors. They'll hit more shots moving forward. The Celtics won't hit as many shots. This is going to be an absolute competitive slugfest. I personally think that it's going to go seven. Um, but I also think that the series that's going on right now between Utah and Denver is going to go seven. So this will be the second game seven series that we have. Um, but like to Jay's point, uh, I don't think the Celtics shoot as great the next couple games. I think that they're going to continue to play well. But also, Siakam's not going to pick up three in the first quarter. You know yeah. what I mean? So like those things factor in a lot. And and I think they'll be better prepared and Nick Nurse will make his adjustments. And right now, I'm sure Dave DeFore is having a great time watching these two duel it out, even though he calls him basic brag. Oh, no, no, no. I, he turned the page. He okay. turned the page. Okay. Jay and I have talked okay. about this extensively this year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I think Brad, Brad was as, one of the five or six best coaches in the league this year. I mean, it, what he's able to do on the defensive end has been spectacular. But his offense this year, and you know, I don't know how much of that is Brad versus having Kemba and uh, you know a point guard who everyone doesn't hate, Jason Tatum looking like the second best player in the East, Jalen Brown looking like a top oh, I thirty don't think guy. They hated Terry Rozier that much. I mean, they seem to like him a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think Terry probably. Uh, Maybe him not being there also helps. Yeah, Jay. Um, you know what? I'm sick of this anti-Kyrie <laughs> propaganda. You know, Terry left too. So did Marcus Morris. He's, right, exactly. He's judo chopping people elsewhere. <laughs> but I, I think that, uh, man, the Kyle Lowry injury is just so big. And, and the other day I was talking to someone about this, and I felt like these teams are really, really evenly matched unless Kyle Lowry is actually hurt. And it, it looks like he, you know, this is a significant ankle injury. So I, I think the Celtics are going to win it. And I'm starting to feel like it might just be six because I don't think Toronto can shoot with them. Yeah. Although I still think the Celtics bench is going to be an issue. I don't know. Like Toronto can shoot. They, they, they can get hot. Like Van Vliet can get hot, but you know, Siakam has, has not shot well at all in the bubble. Uh, Kyle Lowry hurt. Marcus Gasol seems like he doesn't want to shoot right now. I don't know what's going on there. And then there's Surge, right? Like, I don't think that they've got – it seems like they've got shot makers, but not a ton of reliable shooting. And I don't think Matt Thomas is going to play a lot. 
See, I, I think it's the other way around. I think, I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine Matt Thomas is going to play at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the Celtics could have trouble shooting in this in this series because the Raptors, like, they really make some of your lesser shooters hurt you. And mm-hmm. in game one, Marcus Smart did hurt them. He, he hurt them pretty badly. But I don't think that'll be every game. And then the, when the Celtics are playing Shemi Ojale and when they're playing Brad Wanamaker, I think I think they're going to have some some spurts where they really struggle to score. They do have the two best scorers in the series, though. I think that's pretty clear with Tatum and Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. All right, Bucks. What, what do you think, Zach? Wait, wait, wait. What do you think? Who do you who do you think is going to take the series? Like, I, I'm curious. Raptors in five. Rip. Raptors in seven. Whoa, Raptors in five. No, I don't really believe that. I do think the Raptors. <laughs> okay. I, I do <laughs> think the Raptors will win the series. Um, yeah, I, I kind of expected the Celtics to come out and win this game. Maybe not as dominantly as they did. Um, I do think the Raptors are the better team. I think they're the better coach team. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess I'm actually more worried about Pascal than I am about Kyle Lowry's injury. Oh. Because I oh, well, the, the Pascal stuff has been going on for a few weeks now. So it well, it's been going on for a, a long time. And that's <laughs> yeah. the problem. Like, this is someone who they're relying on to be the guy. Right? Like, and he did this last year. Like, that's the thing. Like, he, everyone celebrated that game one he had against the Warriors, which was fantastic. He killed. But then he followed that up with like going like five for eighteen, right? Like he was he was inconsistent as hell offensively last year, and it's just Kawhi was the best and so he he leads him he leads him to championship and now um you know i made this point on on twitter earlier but it's like to be able to make those adjustments in game in real time that's the role of a superstar right that's the role of a number one guy is like okay they're taking this way well i can do this and they're this isn't going but i can try this and pascal hasn't seemed to have that recently uh i don't know if he's ever had it but he definitely hasn't had it recently as the spotlight is brighter and so um, if he doesn't figure that out, then I, I think the Celtics will roll them. But I do expect Nick Nurse to figure that out, at least getting him some some easy opportunities to get him going. Yeah, they just I, my my concern is just like yours. If he doesn't, there's nobody that I can see filling that vacuum. Norman Powell, maybe to be to be fair, like on that roster. Let, yeah, like Norm can put him up, but yeah, you're not expecting him to like go toe right. to toe with Jason Tatum, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's the that's the thing. It's just you know, knowing that the Celtics have Tatum, uh, who can apparently just get a shot whenever he wants now. Yeah, uh, it's such a huge luxury. All right, Bucks Heat. Does anybody think the Bucks will win? Trade yeah, got Bucks and I think, six. I think Bucks are going to win. Bucks, Bucks and six. Five. Bucks and six. I think I've got Bucks and five. I'll go Heat and six. Bucks and five. The, the, there's. Let, let me check. I, let I, me I, double check the preview that I wrote with Eric Name over at the Athletic. <laughs> oh, at the Athletic. Ooh, if you went to theathletic.com, oh. you could check that out. That's right. Um, I heard they got some good articles. I've over there, heard buddy. that too. <laughs> I've definitely heard that. Um, I I think the Heat are better equipped for this series. Yeah, I mean they 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 led the the, the regular season two uh, one. Um, and they match up really. They're they're matchup problems for for the Bucks. Uh, Tyler Arrow has been good against the Bucks, um, and this is the thing they beat them without Jimmy Butler. So you know this team is you know Bam Adebayo gives them problems, um, and you know they know they seem to frustrate Giannis. And even if Giannis gets his stats, like if Chris Middleton is not playing up to par or, or not shooting till his arm falls off, 
you know, it can be some challenges there, but I'm still going to ride with them. You know, me and Eric Dame have been covering the Bucks since the jump. Yeah. Um, and I still believe in the Bucks. Yeah, I'm with yeah. the Bucks here, too. I think people, have, the pendulum has f- swung too far toward the heat in this series. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're, they've had a really good season. They've been impressive. I just think when you play a guy like Duncan Robinson, when you play a guy like Tyler Hero against Giannis, and they're going to be hunting those guys with Giannis, it's mm-hmm. it's just not going to turn out well. And I know that the Heat have a lot of shooting, and I know that the Bucks give up a lot of three-pointers, but I think Brooke Lopez and Giannis are good enough defensively to take away a lot of the cutting that Miami does. That's also a huge part of their offense. And then I think that, that at the other side, Giannis will just find the weak links in Miami's defense, and they do have weak links, even though they're a competent team. I just think the Bucks are much, much better than the Heat and that people have forgotten that. There's two ways that the Heat can sort of play into what the Bucks want them to do. Jimmy Butler, I know he, he hit a couple of threes in, in the playoffs here. Uh, he basically stopped shooting outside of the paint. He dropped to like fewer than 24%, I think, of his attempts were coming outside of the paint. He just stopped shooting threes altogether. He's going to have to take those shots, and Bam doesn't shoot threes. So they're not going to guard him out there, and Brooke Lopez is going to be around the, right up at, at the rim, and so you're not getting any penetration. I, I think that you can only learn so much from regular season games between these teams because both of these coaches don't necessarily care. The Heat did hit 21 threes in a game, but I just don't see him doing that for an entire series. That would I be just, insane. I, like, I think Bud's about to get destroyed on the sidelines. Eric Spolster was such a better coach than him. And I, Bud, I just like, think it's a talent issue, though. It's Bud, not, refuse, it's, Bud refuses see, yeah, I, to I'm not, to I'm not rolling with that, Dave. I think that Bud is just stuck in his way. No, no, He's no. I'm not coaches. saying that. I'm saying in the series, I think just think the Bucks have more talent than the Heat do. I, I disagree. I think that to a point, they just have Giannis. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I think that just Giannis I mean, is going to try to will his way be through all this NBA one. this year. Yeah, it'd be great Brooke if he Lopez showed that in the fucking uh, bubble, Dave. Because like no. Jesus <laughs> Christ, like he he's getting outplayed by a wundu. Like, what are we doing? All right, that I was mean, extreme. It wasn't him, but like Evan right. Fournier, <laughs> James Ennis. Yeah, I mean, he he was okay in a, in two of those games, I think. But uh, again, and Chris Middleton, all NBA player, Brooke Lopez. All NBA defense, uh, Eric Bledsoe. All NBA defense. Like they just have a lot of talent, and Miami has a has a few guys that are pretty good, right? I know, man. I love Myers Leonard, man. When he shotguns beers, bro. <laughs> uh, there's nothing funnier than Drummond and Whiteside getting first place votes and Brooke Lopez not because oh, I've man. thought the Brooke Lopez should be Defensive Player of the Year is the stupidest thing we've done all year with voting. Because mm-hmm. he's not the he's not Zach. The, was that your vote? Hell no, no. I wish I actually kind of wish no. it was. And there was a point where I saw that and I was like, oh shit, did I fuck up the drop down menu? I'm a, I, I'm very very much something I would do. But like, well, the troll move would be to vote for Robin. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that would have been a better move. Uh, but like, Giannis was clearly the better defender on that team. Clearly, the idea like the it's the whole thing of like. Not a Brooke single allows Giannis to do the stuff that he does as a freelancer, and Giannis allows and Brooke Giannis to do the shit he Brooke does. To, in, right, sit in yeah. the lane, yeah. But Giannis's stuff is way more important than what Brooke's stuff is. That's what I would say. It, that, it's the whole idea of like speaking, speaking of Giannis. How could you do give, we have him all as the MVP? I had him as MVP. I think so. Yeah, you got my vote. Yeah, so. yeah. 
It's a clear shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but with this series, I mean, like the Heat are so good at I think back cutting you to death, right? Yeah. And they're going to get those threes off the DHOs. It, well, the Bucks are going to let them have a lot of those threes. They're going to chase them around the screens. They're going to they're going to hope it's Jay Crowder taking that three instead of Duncan Robinson. But at, they're they're getting nothing at the basket. Nothing at the basket. I don't know. The I, think that, I think the I think the Heat move the ball really well. They move the ball really well, and once you start giving up threes and threes and threes, the Bucks are going to become hesitant in how they defend. I don't think they're going to adjust, but they will become hesitant. In their, in, that, we saw that against the Raptors. That Raptors team is better than this Heat team, but I think Jimmy Butler is the smartest player in this series. Like, I think he's the craftiest player in this series. He can control the pace yes. in a way that nobody else can. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. And I think, that, I think that's big. I think Goran Dragic... Is going like if you just look at it down the line, like, like I, I think I don't think it's crazy to think Butler and and Bam can neutralize what Giannis and Middleton do. I know it's not the right. exact same like matchup to matchup, right? But like two sure. best players, two best players. I think they can they can neutralize that. And so then it's like, all right, can can somebody? Take away enough of what Brook Lopez does offensively. See, uh, I think, Possible. I think can Goran Dragic so outplay wrong. everyone. Yeah, How? Bam doesn't really affect Giannis much. Giannis he doesn't is the best player in the league this <laughs> yeah. year. Last time, last time they played, he was the best uh, player in the league Giannis, last year. How'd that work out? Giannis put up 33, 12, and four assists in thirty minutes. That's fine. Bam. He can make as many passes as he wants because one, he's a shitty passer, and two. Like he, like they're, the they're going to dare everyone else to beat him, right? The Heat, the Heat aren't winning because Bam shuts down Giannis. The Heat, if they win, I'm not it's saying they're I'm not saying shut down. Shut down I'm saying else. they do enough production and defense to match what Giannis and Chris Middleton do. It, it doesn't mean like they scored 55 points and they scored 55 points. I'm just talking about controlling the game, right? Okay, okay. Like influencing the game. Bam can Bam and Jimmy can absolutely neutralize what Giannis and and Middleton do sim- especially if Middleton keeps like not playing well, mm-hmm. that makes it a lot easier. If we're getting regular season version of Chris Middleton, that's a different story. I just don't feel like we are. Uh, and then at that yeah, point, hey, he can, really only plays lights out against the Celtics. Yeah, and at that at that point, can Goran Dragic be the fifth best player in the series after those four? I don't think that's crazy. I, I am appalled by the Giannis disrespect right now. I, I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here. Like like Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo can can neutralize this guy. Hey, I'm here too, man. You know, I just I just tune tune them out at this point. I just feel like because the Bucks got beat by the NBA champion last year, mm-hmm. a lot of people are disregarding what they did in the regular season. They're disregarding what they've been for the past two years. They're disregarding that Giannis has been the world's best player over the last two years, and they're they're overlooking the fact that. This team is an absolute problem. They were in the regular season. I agree. You know, Zach, let me ask you, how much of this is is about Bud and how much of this is about Giannis? Feels uh, to me well, like this is a lot about Bud. Right. But if you refuse to make like this isn't a, oh, it's just last year. Like he never makes adjustments in series. Bud believes if we play this way, then we will win. If we execute what our game plan is, we will win and we don't need to alter that game plan. That's stupid in the playoffs. See, I mean, and they were two, stupid. two wins away from making the finals 
but they lost to the team that won the title. Uh huh. And how close did they get to getting those two wins? Game three was very close. Seems like it worked out. Did mostly. it mostly? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. One team wins the championship. Works, Let's see if it works out. Pretty when, good. When Giannis is a warrior in a year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with you to some extent, Zach. I think that these Bucks are vulnerable in some ways because of how rigid they have been with their playing style. I just don't think Miami's a team to to beat. Them. I think Miami. I think is stylistically the, they are stylistically fine, but they just don't have the the talent level to do it. Why not? Because they're just not good enough. Like, <laughs> but what they but what they do is they create a high volume of threes. They hit them at a high rate, and they're a great passing team. That's the formula for beating this Bucks defense. Yeah, but they're they're not going to be able to to stop the Bucks offense. Is 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 where I think the issue is going to be. Offense, that's the issue. Yeah, their defense just isn't. If Chris Middleton shows up, sure. If Eric Bledsoe shows up, sure. You guys feel pretty confident in that? Uh, yeah, I think I do. I, I feel confident in Middleton, not not as much in Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, look, if Middleton wants to do a 180 here, I'm all for it. I'd love for him to play well. But he hasn't been good lately. Has he? He had he had a couple of okay games against the Magic. Yeah, I think we're being a little bit hard on him. Yeah. Um, I think that he's he's done what he can do. I think it just a lot of people in the, in, that watch sports that cover sports don't love Middleton's game. I, I for one, I, I think that Giannis could have a better Robin, but I do feel that Chris Middleton has upped his play in the past two seasons. So. I'll give him that. I don't think that he's riding the coattails of Giannis and just getting selected that way. He still has to make the shots, and he's had some good games. Um, but we, but I think for the Bucks to be successful, they need more. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think if if we're getting regular season Chris Middleton, then I'm in. I think the Bucks win the series. I'm just not convinced we are. And then everything, everything outside of that is there's a formula to beating the Bucks. Incredible defense. And the Heat do that. That's the Heat's style of play. The and problem is, though, you have to beat their offense, too. Right? Like, that's the, the key to beating the Bucks. Mm-hmm. You have to make your threes, and they have to miss theirs. Okay. They're not a great three-point so, shooting team, though. They're not. But they are a high-volume three-point shooting team. So they, they use the math in there to their Sure, advantage. but so are the Heat. That's the, like, that's the confusing thing to me. Is like, it's... The Heat are also a high volume team, and they're better at doing it. That's my like. That's my issue. Like, if if the Bucks execute the game plan, they don't have to make adjustments, and it works. Okay, like I'm happy to be wrong on this one, but historically, Bud, it doesn't work out that way for him. He's very stubborn, and they've claimed we all know year Spolster's gonna gonna adjust. Yeah, and they've claimed all right. year that they were gonna make the adjustments when it ha- when it comes down to it. I, I just and feel like you're I guess look- we're gonna find out. I feel like you're looking too micro. When if you just take the scope back a little bit, there's a huge gap between these teams. And, and I don't think I the, the weaknesses of Milwaukee will necessarily come into play in this series. Even though Milwaukee, even though Miami is, is built to test them in some ways, I just don't think it's enough. We'll see. Though. Right. They just don't have enough talent. Not that they don't have any talent. I feel like this they is the most contentious enough. we've we've gotten over the last few weeks. I Chris like Milton it. Shoot, oh, this Chris isn't even Milton contentious. shot 36% against a Magic team that missing their three best defenders. Yeah. Small sample size. Evan Fournier five games. is okay. DPOY caliber, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brooke Lopez is. He might as well be. All right. Uh, let's get into the Western Conference. But first, 
We'll be back right after this. All right, guys. Western Conference. Lakers made it through. Clippers made it through. Marcus Morris may not be there for game one of second round. Whatever that yeah. ends up, whoever that opponent ends up being, we're currently awaiting. I mean, we're recording this during uh, the Denver Utah game six, and so we don't quite know who that opponent's going to be just yet. But the Clippers should still beat whoever that is, right? There's no, there's I don't no, know. There's you no know, concern. Utah could give them a little bit of trouble. If Utah, if this is the Utah offense, now clearly it's not going to be shooting, you know, 50 percent from three against the Clippers because we could put a high school basketball team that's decent at defense out there and they do a better job than the Nuggets have done. But I I do think that Utah can defend the Clippers much better than the Mavs could. And Utah's offense isn't isn't one dimensional. So I, I think that they could take a couple games from the Clippers. It won't be a cakewalk, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I I would probably pick like Clippers in five against either of these teams, I think. But how much of the Clippers not taking them seriously do you think we're going to see? Because we, clearly a, yeah, we saw some question. of that, right? Yeah, that's a good question. Now, game one, I bet the Clippers come out trying to make a statement. But if they win convincingly in game one, I could see them dropping the next two to Utah just because Utah is a front runner. You Ooh, know, when they going get going. Oh, I like that. You see what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think that's where they could kind of catch them off guard. But it, this isn't to say that I think Utah is a better team or anything. They just they're playing really, really well right now, especially offensively. And they can match that. Uh, their defense would be better suited to guard the Clippers at their slower pace than what the Nuggets are doing. I mean, the Nuggets are, despite moving slow, keep them moving constantly. And the Clippers are, you know. Very isolation heavy, and I think Utah would love that. Yeah, I guess I'm not buying the Utah offense. Oh, um, I don't. I mean, I don't blame you. Mostly just because it's happening against Denver, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I don't. I don't know how much of the, like what that inflation rate is, but um, but all right. So we're getting Clippers Lakers, regardless of what happens with Thunder Rockets. Like in the second round, we're getting Clippers Lakers, right? Does anybody disagree with that? No, I think that's right. Have any of you guys been overly impressed with either the Clippers or the Lakers, though? I don't feel like anyone looks like a champion. Nope. In, in, anyone in the NBA. I don't feel like anyone. Maybe Actually, Boston Celtics. might the most. Maybe Boston. Yeah, Boston might look like right? the most championship ready it's, it's definitely wide open when you look at the scenario because everybody <laughs> at first, you said, okay, Lakers, okay, Bucks. Oh, like, yeah. Honestly, like, outside of the Suns playing the best basketball they possibly could play in the bubble, um, and they're not even in this conversation anymore. It is wide open. Every team has kind of thrown a hat in and said this. Even Portland punched the Lakers for a little bit. But with LeBron, you know, and everybody saying that they fired him up, I do think that he's going to compete. And and and, and maybe if the Rockets are the next team that they face, I think they get past them. And I think the Battle of L.A. is going to be very interesting, not just to say that, oh, the Clippers have a better makeup or anything like that. I just think that adjustment-wise, it should be interesting. And and if guys are staying healthy, too, I don't want any injuries. But, you know, you, you look at it that way. I think out of, out of everything, Anthony Davis is the one who is just kind of the scariest one to look at right now because he's, he's playing extremely well. Yeah, there's like 10, there's 10 teams left as we're recording. Is there – could we make an argument – for like nine of them having a, a shot if they get hot? No. 
You don't think so? I mean, it, does, I mean, no. it, it feels just open. No. Everyone's Th- been arguing Thunder. that oh, Houston. Th- Houston's got the best uh, defense in the playoffs right now. Get they can't beat the Thunder. Not, I, I don't understand it. because Lou Dort. The world is upside down. Because of Lou Dort. The Thunder, the Jazz, and the Nuggets have zero shot of winning the championship. Zero shot. Zero shot of making the finals. You wouldn't add the you wouldn't add the Rockets to that? There's something about this Rockets team where like because it's the bubble, because there's no home court, because it's different, I could see James Harden dragging the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know how confident I feel on that, but there's for whatever reason I'm like, all right, maybe. So you feel like in the in the second round we could have seven out of eight teams that if someone said to you, man, if this if this little thing happens and this little thing happens, they could make the finals. Uh, I would say That's six out of eight. Pretty uh, good. I, yeah, I guess. Pretty good. Yeah, I guess all the teams in the East. The East feels wide open. Yeah. I love the but chaos of the Rockets all. to the Lakers and the Clippers. Yes, this is. Because after so many years where it was just the Warriors and everybody else, and even last year it was the Warriors and everybody else, and then they – they took a ton of injuries and, and lost to a, a Toronto team that peaked at the right time. But this year, it's just mad. Every team is so flawed. Even the best teams are so flawed. Like the the Lakers, they, they've been my pick all along to win it. And they play, I don't know, four guys who maybe don't deserve to be in playoff rotations. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> like I, I just love the madness of it all. And after seeing the Warriors and how dominant they were, it's just great to see some flawed basketball teams that can all just fade away for, for huge, huge reasons. And I, I just enjoy the fact that this is wide open, and I don't know what the hell is going to happen. Yeah, except I that the Heat will get stopped by the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, you guys are not going to want to podcast with me once the Heat beat oh, the Bucks. Oh, I know. Oh, that would be. God, I've been it. thinking about this already. You guys might not uh, want to like, podcast with me anyway, but especially <laughs> if that happens, that would be devastating. <laughs> it, it, listen, if the Heat make it to the finals like Zach predicted. No, 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 no. I picked uh, Raptors. Oh. Raptors Heat Raptors. as a conference okay. finals. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And my Raptors are uh, blowing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But if the Raptors win this series, I mean, or the the Heat win this series. Oh, if series, it becomes I, Raptors Heat, like I will be yeah. completely insufferable. If the Bucks lose, this is going to feel like such a huge collapse without context. If you just look at what they've done the last two years and they lose in the second round this year, um, it's going to look pretty crazy when we look back on it. I think especially because I don't think a lot of people take that Heat team that seriously, right? I think they know they're good, Mm -hmm. but not like there's a difference between saying like, hey, that team's good and like, oh, we were worried about that team. Too many people consider them on the same level as like the Indiana Pacers. Right. Right. So much better. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. They're they're more like the Nuggets, or at least what we thought the Nuggets might be once the playoffs started. You know, I thought they were at least going to win this first round series pretty convincingly. Uh, but yeah, the, the Heat are uh, clearly a lot better than most people have thought they were. Okay, I think it'll be fun to end it on predictions for Jazz Nuggets. Because as we oh, talk right this now, is happening. <laughs> this will be fun. This will be a great way to end it. Seven, because, 723 left in the third. Yeah. It's 68-66 Denver. Yeah. So, okay. Jay, 
Is your boy going to do it? Uh, so it, here's my thing. I actually believe that the Jazz screwed up their chance to win the series. They had Denver dead. They let Jamal Murray go bonkers. Denver is going to win the last three games in this series. Wow. And and advance to the second round. They wow. are so flawed, though. Their defense is just just uh, depressing. But they're they're going to win anyway. Wow. Trey. I think Utah's going to close it out. Oh, you think Utah's going to close it tonight? <laughs> I think Utah's going to close it out tonight. I called this a must win for Utah. You cannot let the basketball gods. Oh, I think if they lose, lose, yeah, (laughs) it's Uh, the rare double back to back must win for I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and say that uh, the Nuggets win and we get seven. Wow. Before we go, I got to air some grievances. Oh, boy. Uh Oh, Oh I just I just need to let it be known how annoyed I am by the Houston Rockets every year. They are the single most <laughs> annoying franchise. What? Every year they they want to launch some investigation. They oh, they yes. did their oh, own yeah. deep dive into the refereeing against them against the Warriors a couple years ago. They protested a game earlier this year because James Harden they tried to challenge a call with eight minutes left and it didn't work out and they blew a huge lead. They try to protest the entire last eight minutes of the game this year. Now they, they get the guy at their team got hit in the balls. He got hit in the balls. It, I, 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 I'm not pro ball tap. I just want to make that clear, but don't cry about it. Don't ask for an investigation when the guy was already ejected from the game what what do you want what do you what else do you want they act like they're the only team bad things ever happen to they act like it is the world against them i am so annoyed by the houston rockets every single year just shut up and keep playing basketball i don't think i could have said it better myself uh yeah no let's put that on a bumper sticker right (laughs) Just shut up and shut up and dribble. Are you telling the Rockets to shut up and dribble, Jay? Oh, this is just an infuriating close to this episode. And unfortunately, we don't have more time to discuss this. Thanks to Spencer Dinwiddie for for joining us, Trey. Thanks for for hooking that up. That's Trevon Edwards, Dave DeFore, Jay King of Shut Up and Dribble, Jade Hoy. I'm Zach Harper. This has been the Athletic NBA Show. Subscribe to the Athletic. <laughs>